0: books hold a special place in our history and our imaginations reading is fundamental it's how we access knowledge and understand our world and libraries perform an important function in making sure the public has access to the world's knowledge library collections however are not static they evolve and shift after all libraries have limited space staffing and budgets which may be why the so-called fifth law of library science is, quote, the library is a growing organism. But the very notion of removing or discarding books makes us all a little uncomfortable. We have a sentimental attachment to books. I have a few hundred titles gathering dust on the bookshelves of my home, so it's no surprise that announcements about libraries reviewing or weeding books from their collections can cause angst for some. Canyon School District is reviewing and considering updating its library management policy to more clearly define the criteria against which books should be evaluated for acquisition and the regular weeding of titles, and for in those exceedingly rare instances when titles are challenged by someone. Here to explain the reason and goals for the policy review are Canyon Superintendent Dr. Rick Robbins, General Counsel Dan Harper, and the District Library Specialist Gretchen Zeitzef. Welcome to Connect Canyon.
1: Hi, Kirsten.
0: Why don't we start with you, Rick, if you could briefly explain what prompted the review of our library policy. I I understand it started with some concerns from parents, and naturally when we receive questions um, from parents, we defer to policy. And what we found is that while our library management policy had some strengths, it had some areas that needed a little shoring up.
1: Thank you, Kirsten. Uh, Well, it's really great to be here uh, with all of you today. And first off, um, I just want to offer my sincere uh, gratitude and support uh, for our amazing libraries in Canyon School District and our librarians that uh, manage and operate uh, those libraries. I think all of us have uh, near and dear connections to our local libraries. I think about, you know, my own time as a child and the excitement and just uh, the opportunity that comes with checking out a library book. Um, for me, uh, this is a very important topic and one that I think um, as a society and as a community that we really uh, want to pay attention to. The issue surrounding our library books really uh, started, we had multiple Parents and patrons um, uh, send us emails and notices about concerns that they had with uh, content uh, in some of our books that uh, they perceived as potentially not being appropriate. As these concerns were raised with me, it gave me pause as superintendent uh, in looking at our own uh, policy. And I, I think it's important to mention that I really believe our policy comes from a place of strength. that it, it has been uh, looked to and utilized uh, in years past. Uh, but I also think it uh, was incomplete in some ways, and it was necessary for us to, to take a look at it as the policy uh, is uh, finalized by the board that the titles in question that were brought to me with concerns Uh, would be deferred back uh, to the policy uh, for that protocol.
0: Okay, to be clear, no book has been banned in Canyons District. No final action has been taken on any title until we can provide more clarity through policy on how to respond to official book challenges or review requests, which leads me to my next question about the nature of the concerns parents have voiced regarding these books. Now, if you're A regular consumer of news, then you know there's been a spate of school library challenges throughout the country. In some states, parents have targeted books that address issues of importance to LGBTQ students. School libraries have also received challenges from parents opposed to books they say perpetuate racism. My understanding of the input we've received is that parent concerns have mostly hinged on language in the books that they perceive to be obscene, vulgar, or inappropriate for students.
1: So for me the nature of concerns that I'm most uh interested in and concerned about relates to being age appropriate. Uh, we have many many titles in, in our libraries that support a vast array uh, of diversity and and different uh topics and students um and so for me uh you know really you know applying uh obscenity uh, state statute and and rule as well as uh, Supreme Court, you know, Miller's three-pronged test to trying to define obscenity, which is very difficult uh, in that. I I think, for me, that's the the greater concern is uh, when content is called out uh, specifically that uh, may not be age appropriate is the, to me, is the central focus of this concern.
0: To your point, Rick, I understand the Utah chapter of the NAACP issued a statement to stress their concern about some of the obscene language in the books in question while supporting reading materials that are, quote, appropriate for all students.
1: That really is the heart of of the question, is the balance of First Amendment rights and access versus uh, the content and whether or not it's age-appropriate.
0: You know these really are tough policy questions. Um, My understanding of the American Library Association's code of ethics is that public librarians are regarded as public servants. In other words, they have the responsibility to serve their designated communities and not promote one point of view over another. School libraries which serve children ranging in age from 5 to 18 have also, you know, a distinct duty to ensure their collections are age appropriate. Now, Dan, could you speak to that from a legal perspective?
2: The Supreme Court holding in Island Trees uh, Union Free School District v. Pico, um, where. The, the Supreme Court held that the First Amendment imposes limitations, but not an outright ban upon a local school board's exercise of its discretion to, re, to remove books uh, from high school and junior high school libraries. Um, the court pointed out that, uh, local school boards have broad discretion in the management of school affairs, but such discretion must be exercised in a manner that comports with the first amendment, uh, as the Supreme court pointed out in the tinker case, um, that students do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Um, And uh, they also pointed out that these rights may be directly and sharply implicated by the removal of books from the shelves of a school library. Uh, The court went on to say that the petitioners, uh, the school district – possesses significant discretion to determine the content of their school libraries, but that discretion may not be exercised in a narrowly partisan or political manner. Um, In other words, the, the court was pointing out that we can't remove books because of their ideas. We may disagree with ideas. Um, that are expressed in a book, but that's not the reason why those can be removed. However, the court went on to point out that there are reasons why a school district or a board could remove books, um, including such things as vulgarity and, and offensive language.
0: Okay, Gretchen. Let's talk about the practical challenges faced by school librarians. We have 42 school libraries and about a half million books on the shelves district-wide.
3: We're roughly at 470,000 books in our collection, so that's not titles but copies since every library has a, at least one set of Harry Potter. So, um, but we do have um, a large number of titles within our library system.
0: That's a lot. That an awful lot of reading, not to mention the non-analog or digital resources we make available. Practically speaking, how do librarians go about adding new titles and updating their collections?
3: So a library has a finite amount of shelf space, and uh, regularly teacher librarians purchase titles. So you might become aware of a title in a variety of different ways. I mean, I personally follow several popular authors um, through social media, and I'm always getting information about what they're writing and what other people are reading. Um, We also read professional reviews. Uh, There are a lot of um, standardized review materials from – sources like um, the Bulletin for the Children's Book from the University of Illinois and the School Library Journal. So commonsense.org also um, provides rated materials locally. We have um, a woman, uh, Cindy Mitchell, who's a librarian in the Jordans district who has a blog called Kiss the Book that's been essential, I think, within this state and across the country. Um, as far as like providing review materials that address some of the concerns about like we are seeing with these titles. Um, but once a um, librarian becomes aware of a book, they start to consider how that would fit into the collection overall. Um, if it addresses um, a curricular need, student interest, if it might be a popular title, and then those are acquired. So we acquire somewhere between 200 and 1,700 books a year um, within our secondary schools, um, with the average being about 700 titles. You know, that sounds like a heavy
0: lift, but our librarians are trained for this. I mean, it's what
3: they love and know how to do, right? Our secondary teacher librarians are all um, licensed educators, Many of them have either an endorsement or in library science or a master's degree. We have one secondary librarian who has a doctorate degree. On average, they have about 11 years in the classroom and six years of experience in school libraries.
0: I understand that the policy changes that have been proposed aim to provide more guidance on the purchase or acquisition and then the weeding and review of books. Maybe the three of you could break it down for our listeners. Rick, why don't you start by describing how books would be acquired under the new rules?
1: So, a, a couple of things, and I'll I'll defer to Gretchen. I think this is you know more in her wheelhouse. Uh, but just for me, a couple of things in the policy that change is that uh, in the previous uh, policy. Uh, for acquisition the uh, there were 12 criteria that librarians would select from um that three of those needed to be met and one of the categories in that in that criteria was uh being age appropriate and we've made that a requirement uh, right at the top of the list across the board as well as five meeting five more criteria um, for adoption, So I, I look forward to that, and I, I think that does give a little more clarity to our, our librarians um, and support in how they go about um, looking for selections. But I, I'll i defer to aggression to speak to more of the process.
0: Okay, so as I understand it, all of our library books will be selected with the goal of meeting diverse reading interests while also being age-appropriate and meeting at least five additional criteria, which range, I think, from favorable reviews to teacher, parent, and guardian requests.
3: Right. So we take a lot of requests, both from educators within the learning community. Um, student Certain student requests are um, always considered parent requests. Uh, as the curriculum changes, we add books that um, – support curriculum or academic research needs of our students. Also, new topics. So, you know, just coding and being a YouTuber. I mean, that didn't even exist as a job. And now, you know, you can read about that as a career option. So those titles are now being considered against the list, as Superintendent Robbins mentioned, that has actually expanded. So there's 15 criteria instead of 12, so that just gives us a lot more options to kind of gauge how the book meets our needs. As we've entertained these
0: changes to the policy, I'm assuming we involved our librarians as well as other experts.
3: We've received feedback Um, both from our district librarians, both at the secondary level and um, our paraprofessionals who support our elementary students during their Brain Booster program. We've also received feedback from state organizations and our state uh, librarians at the Utah State Board of Ed about feedback, which has helped us shape the policy Uh, to make it stronger and more reflective of what was already happening in practice but it just strengthens our position.
0: As a side note any parents wishing to browse the shelves of their child's school library can easily do so online using our searchable library catalogs which we make available on our school websites. Parents wishing to be more involved in their children's reading selections can also log into their school's digital catalog using their student login And put a title of interest on hold so their student can more easily check it out.
3: Correct. So this is a new option that we've made more available and accessible to parents. Students had access to this option, but I'm not sure every student was aware. Now, um, with the addition of these uh, links on the school website, a parent and student can sit down together and browse the entire collection at their school through the Destiny Discover platform. Um, A student can log in using their school credentials and select a title that's available and have it placed on hold.
0: Gretchen, you touched on the number of new book purchases made in any given year. What does the draft policy say about a parent who wants their school to review a book in the collection?
3: So if there's a title that a parent has a concern about, we've made additions to our policy so that a parent can ask for a school-level review. So um, as soon as the policy is adopted, uh, there'll be a form that will be available through the school, either on the website or in hard copy, that a parent could fill out and submit to the school principal, That will trigger a review of that title, so that title will be read by a licensed librarian in the district, and then a defense of acquisition will be made, you know, explaining why that book was added to the collection that includes the reading of the book. So as I mentioned, we bring thousands of books into our system every year, and Not every book can be read prior to purchase. Some of the review material that we have access to is incomplete, so reading the title is essential to understanding the content.
0: Okay, so from there, the book could be either retained or deselected and weeded. Christian, what does weeding mean in the world of libraries?
3: So it would either be retained or it would be uh, weeded, if it's weeded, it would automatically trigger a district-wide review in case that title was in a library in a different location.
0: Okay. What then about an official challenge to a book? What process is spelled out in the proposed policy for that?
3: So um, a review, like I mentioned, is kind of a defensive acquisition. It's like, please read this book. Let's discuss what's in the content. A formal review would be um, a parent who's interested in removing that title from our collection permanently, and would require us to put in to play the school level library materials challenge. So a parent would have to fill out request for reconsideration of library materials form, which includes you know, certification that the parent has read the material in its entirety, and then documents the areas of concern within the content. When that's received at the school where their child attends, that would trigger the creation of a school review committee that will be led by the principal, uh, as defined in the policy and then each member of the committee reads the material. They're given access to the professional reviews, the defensive acquisition. At some point, the challenger has an opportunity to make their case before the committee, and then the committee decides by majority vote whether to keep that title at that um, school or whether that will be deselected.
0: And after the policy is adopted, what happens next? I mean, I know there are folks out there who are eager to see all of this resolved, but we have systems in place for updating policies. And as we have said in the introduction today, decisions about library books should be taken carefully or undertaken carefully and deliberately.
2: Traditionally, when it comes to policies, the board has always had three readings of a policy before approving, sometimes when it's just a small change that may have been brought about by recent red legislation that we just had to make a minor change to the policy, it might go to two readings, and then they request approval. Uh, I would imagine this, uh, given the substantial changes that the policy has gone through, and the revisions that have been put in place between the first reading and the upcoming second reading at, I believe, the December 14th board meeting, uh, that we would more likely than not also have a a third reading after that, and there's a a good chance that there may be additional revisions to this policy in between the the second and third reading. So uh, there will be plenty of opportunity for patrons to review and give input on this policy uh, as well as our employees Uh, as Gretchen indicated she's been working with the other librarians in the district to review the policy and receive their feedback and so I think it will be uh A very thorough process with a lot of feedback uh, from multiple constituents, both our patrons and our employees, and I think we're going to end up with a a really good policy.
3: So I think previously we had a good policy. I think this strengthens our policy. It certainly adds clarification and more definition. Um, It helps strengthen the district's support. Uh, public support I guess of school librarians and the work that they do and it will just help us do our job better
1: I think it's important to some clarity on this that um, is a check and balance that kinda to me it also differentiates this policy is that uh, in previous policy as I mentioned uh, it was silent on whether or not school administration or a board member could call for a review of a certain title. In this new policy, uh, district administration or a board member can call for a district level review, which would be three of our um, school librarians would then conduct the review of that book. But it also clarifies that it does not allow for school administration or a board member to direct a book to be uh, permanently removed from our collection, that would only come through as Gretchen mentioned through the challenge uh, process so i I think you know that's a that 's a great combination that strengthens uh, our policy you know in a in a couple of different ways uh, without um, giving you know a school board or a school level administrator unfettered access to just simply you know ban a book so Uh, I I think it's very helpful both ways.
0: I know we've had patrons already giving input at our board meetings, and there will be more time for that at subsequent meetings where the policy is discussed. Uh, Anyone interested can find our board meeting agendas and patron comment instructions under the Leadership tab on the CanyonsDistrict.org website. Uh, They're also free to give input in person at the meetings or... They can submit questions and comments by emailing communications at communications@canyonsdistrict.org.
1: I think we're in a time that is changing, right? And so, adjusting policy uh, to be responsive to the day and age that we that we live in, I I think is you know that's important uh, that we all support that and and really um, allow the process to occur to really meet the needs of our students and our district you know, in this day and age.
0: I want to thank our guests for their time and willingness to explain these nuances and I want to let our listeners know that here at Connect Canyons, we're going to be talking a whole lot more about library books. I'll be inviting Gretchen and some of her librarians back to spotlight some of the new books they've added to their collections. And of course, we'll be asking them for book recommendations and short recaps of some of their favorite reads. So be sure to tune in again soon. With that, I'll sign off and thank you all as your host, Kirsten Stewart, for tuning in to Connect Canyons.